welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about the saints with your hosts, Andrea and Lena. Thanks for being here. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, we're really excited for this episode. Do we do saints first? Do we do theme first? Snacks first? What I think we should we do theme first? first. Okay. Theme is Mom Saints. Yes. And we could take it. We have no idea which way we're taking it. Right. That's just Saints and Moms. Yeah. Just those two are the requirements. Just those two words. Yeah. And I'm particularly excited because that's our vocation too. Yeah. So this feels like very like like connected for me. It's going to get deep. (laughs) Or just crazy. Yeah. Who knows? Or some of both. Should I say what my snack was? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. My snack, I made Lena a mini banana bread because mm-hmm. I love making banana bread um I have to tell you it's adorable and it tastes delicious yeah it's like I have a special I don't know I guess you can get them wherever but I guess it's not special but a little tin where instead of like muffin shapes they're yeah. um like little, little tiny loaves rectangular yeah. loaves yeah so um I always I don't know I don't know why I got into making banana bread I mean bananas go bad anyway yeah but I think it like- was just like you know what it's like the gateway drug of baking because it's so easy. <laughs> There's a few ingredients. Very few ingredients. You probably have most of it in your pantry. Yeah. And yeah. as far as like breads go, it's a quick bread. So yeah. you can say like, I make banana bread. Right. But it's not that hard. So I've always liked making banana bread. Um, and it's not super sweet. Yeah. It's um, like kind of healthy. Yeah, you kind can of make feel, it healthy. Yeah. You, or you can, can kind of trick yourself chips. into thinking yeah. it's a little healthier. Yeah. Uh, so I love banana bread and I like to make it for people. People. So what happened this time is that uh, my mom tried to make banana bread and I roasted it because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't up to my standards. And so now oh, she, you mean like figuratively roasted Like I roasted it. her and her That's bread. Sad. Yeah, I know. But it was like just amazingly not good and oh. I love banana bread so I was like why didn't you just give me your bananas and I would have made you an amazing bread so this week she brought over a bunch of bananas because oh, she was nice. like make some bread for me and did you give her some um that's why I made the mini loaves yeah. so I'll give her some but honestly we already had some bananas that needed to be bread so I'll probably go home and make a like another <laughs> batch honestly yeah see so that's, that's diligence because I always say I'm going to make banana bread with my browning bananas but and I wait till they get really brown and then I I just I'm like I just need to throw this away I cannot do you freeze them for smoothies do you guys do smoothies we do smoothies but I have not frozen that's if I don't make banana bread then I just take I just pop them in a ziploc and Uh freeze it and then you just throw it in a smoothie cool yeah okay well that's or like Louise tries yeah Louise tries to cut back on sugar so he'll do like half a banana and it drives me crazy because he leaves (laughs) the other half like attached so I have I just like Peel it off and put it in the in my stash for smoothies or banana yeah for bread. smoothies. I have never tried to defrost it for banana bread, so I usually yeah, just that's do probably it. Probably not right. I I've never tried it, but we put it in our smoothies. So cool. And this banana bread has chocolate chips. So yes, because I chocolate, chocolate and bananas, chips. just like we did chocolate and raisins. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a theme here. I love chocolate chips. Sometimes I do like a a sugar like you know when like what's it called a crumble. I don't know, yes. like a crumbly oh, yeah. top where it's like crusty a little yes, bit. Yes, with like the flour and butter. Yeah. Louise and my dad like to put like walnuts, but I don't. So I'm, t- I love banana bread. It's There's one of all my sorts passions. of combinations. Yeah. And I thought it was lovely. So for I'm, the fall, I add pumpkin. So it's pumpkin ooh, banana bread. I pumpkin mean, and banana? Yeah. Interesting. So it's like pumpkin bread, but the sweetener is banana. Oh, interesting. I love banana bread. Clear. I'm very passionate you, about yeah, it. Yeah, you have a knack <laughs> for banana bread. I love it. I feel really bad for your mom that you roasted her, though. It was not good. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked. Well, I'm sorry, Andrea's mom, that she did that <laughs> on her behalf. Um, okay, do you want me to tell you about my snack? Yes, I love your snack. Okay, I'm why? excited for this snack. <laughs> my snack is a fig bar from Nature's Bakery. It's a brand. I love them. They this particular one is gluten free because I know you're trying to stay away from gluten, mm-hmm. and I'm which I'm saying too. Bread is full of gluten. But. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and I kind of tried to stay on theme with my saint. Oh, good. Oh, figs. Because figs okay. are native to the particular place where my saint is. I'm just going to call it out and say it's okay. modern day Algeria. Algeria. Oh, my don't, goodness. don't try to guess. I don't don't try to guess. Okay. Um, 
And so figs are like a, One like they're a major producer of figs. Cool. Um, and so, and it's, it is sweet, but I thought maybe it's not overly sweet for you. No, I love these. Okay. This is like awesome. a go-to breakfast for me. Yeah. But like, it's like an easy grab and go. Yeah. They're not at all stores though. So that's they're why I was not. excited. Where did you get this from? I got this from Walmart. Really? They're the blueberry ones. The blueberry ones are my favorite. My favorite is the raspberry. Oh, I yeah. got raspberry too. I'll I don't know where time. those were. Those would even be at now. I guess Sprouts probably has them. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. check the Walmart by my house. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Walmart. <laughs> I'm trying to think where your house is. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna go with that because that's what we had at home, and I thought that was just divinely led that I didn't even have to go to the store. It was already there, and I looked up where are figs, and it turns out Algeria is one of the major producers of them. Yay. So it worked out. So thank you for. That saintly intervention. Well, I want you to go first now because I'm intrigued. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. I doubled down because I did mom saints, also moms of a saint. Okay. Okay. I think I know now. (laughs) Now you know. Yeah. It's Saint Monica. The most essential. I mean. Yeah. She is like the patron saint of mothers. Yeah. Right. So I could not turn away from that. And I mean, she basically raised like one of the greatest saints of the church. Yeah. um, Saint Augustine. So. Should I just dive right in? Go for it. Okay. So she her feast day is August 27th, mm-hmm. and her patron, patronage is um, victims of abuse, those who struggle with alcoholism, stay-at-home moms, women who are married, mothers, those who have suffered from adultery, widows, and mothers who are disappointed in their children's life choices. Oof. That's a big That's a patron. big one. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, and so she had a very difficult life, um, but one of her, like, signature traits is that she had a persistent prior life mm-hmm. and um, just really clung to her virtues through all of that. And yeah. so that's why she is such a model for mo- mothers. Mm-hmm. But she was she was known as St. Monica of Hippo, um, yeah. where she was. Um, born. She was born in 332 AD in Tagast. I'm probably butchering that, but it's probably. where present day Algeria is in Northern Africa. And although she was Christian, her parents gave her in marriage to a um, a pagan, I don't know if he was like a businessman, but his name was Patricius. And he lived in her hometown and mm-hmm. he was like very charming and handsome, but he had a very violent temper. Mm. And so, and also was just kind of more, had some morally questionable choices at the mm. time. Mm-hmm. And so she married him. And as part of that, his, his mother, Patricius's mother, went, came to live with her and mm-hmm. Patricius. And she also, her mother-in-law was also very like violent, had a very violent temper. And so that was just a real challenge for Monica when yeah. she was young. Like just imagine getting married when you're young and you had a devout Christian faith and you're getting married to a, a pagan um, spouse and the mother, they're both like violently tempered, which just sounds like that was an abusive situation yeah. all around. So I think that was really hard for her mm-hmm. just in that early married life. But it's said that even though her husband criticized her beliefs and um, her practices, he always respected them. So it's mm-hmm. not like he tried to turn her away from it. Um, so in that sense, he had some respect for um, her individuality there. Um, and then over time, they ended up having three children that survived infancy. Augustine, um, who's the most famous of all of them, is the oldest, Navigius and Perpetua. And she wasn't um, able to baptize her children like Patricia's mm-hmm. wouldn't let her baptize mm-hmm. them. Um, but at one point, Augustine fell ill. And so Monica pleaded to her husband, oh, like, please yeah. let me baptize him. And, and he agreed. But as soon as Augustine got better, he like um, repealed that and was like, no, we're OK. You don't get to baptize him. Mm-hmm. So it was just really hard on her, I yeah. think, emotionally and spiritually to have such a love for God and then not be able to pass that on to her children mm-hmm. early on in life. And just knowing, like, I just think about if I couldn't baptize my child, you know, like mm-hmm. if you have such a devout faith and you weren't allowed to do that to your own child, how painful that would be to have that withheld from them. Um, and so throughout her, the course of her life, she prayed consistently for the conversion of her husband, mm-hmm. her mother-in-law and Augustine, um, because Augustine kind of fell away, um, over, t- over time 
he was very much attracted to kind of like the ways of the world and higher mm-hmm. education, but not at, uh, um, not in the fields of knowledge that related to faith. Yeah. Um, so certain areas of philosophy. And he, in his, like his teenage years and uh, in early life, he got um, drawn into Manichaeism, mm-hmm. which is like um, like Christian heresy, basically, of just yeah. thinking that um, the world, like the spiritual world is light and like matter and the earthly world is darkness and mm-hmm. flesh is evil and all of that. So um, just drawn away from the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And he, Augustine came back to Monica at one point and told her he was like, those were the beliefs he had. And she was like, like, get out of my house. Like you're not yeah. welcome at my table. That's how devout she was to the faith. And, um, and I think it really pained her that he moved away so far mm-hmm. away because the other two kids actually ended up going into religious life, um, after their father passed away. Um, but uh, Monica's like years of prayer and it says like she wept every night mm-hmm. and like in prayer, yeah. her years of prayer eventually got her husband and her mother-in-law to convert. Um, and her husband converted and, and was baptized one year before he died. Yeah. Um, I heard so, that. yeah. So it was cool that she like had this lifelong struggle, but it was able to attain that prayer, mm-hmm. um, and that answered prayer before his death. And so that's a trip. His conversion is very much attributed to her. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's kind of like funny about, I mean, funny and important is that she was so devout and persistent in her prayer that she would often go to like clergy and priests and like ask them to pray for Augustine mm-hmm. for his conversion. Cause that, I think ultimately that was what was on her heart for the remainder of her life was mm-hmm. um, to turn Augustine back to, towards the faith and yeah. to living a virtuous life. And he has his own story that I'm not going to get too far into, but um, most of the stuff we know about St. Monica is because of St. Augustine's writings. And oh, so I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. So um, Confessions, which is one of his famous books mm-hmm. was, he was writing it, but most, a lot of it he wrote after her death also. And so it was like part of his greeting to mm, like, I didn't um, know that. Yes. I, I think he was, partially written but mm-hmm. it says like um he completed it like in his grief for her Aww. dad yeah so and you can it, it comes out in a lot of ways that of how he references her mm-hmm. um and I'm I'm gonna yeah. read some of that in a little bit but um so St. Monica was always like kind of like enlisting the clergy to like help pray for him and to the point where it was like the clergy would like try to avoid her because they were <laughs> like, they're like, oh, I know this mom. And he and one of the bishops, I think, told her, told St. Monica, like, Augustine is unteachable. Like, oh, just, you know, like and but she would not give up. And she mm-hmm. like kept hounding him. And finally he relented. And he was just like, you know what? Um, no child that. Um, how did he say it? He said something like I have to look at how he said it because it was. It was like any child um, under this many tears shall not perish. Like, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, like that, like the mother's tears, like mm-hmm. those are meaningful. And so like they're not for waste. Yeah. And so I think he finally kind of saw the light and St. Monica held those words like really close to her heart. Like she mm-hmm. felt like those words came from heaven. Yeah. Um, and even when St. Augustine was on that binge of Manichaeism and, and kind of look, looking towards that. Mm-hmm. And straight away, um, St. Monica had a vision and she had a vision of that. She was like standing on, it was a vision from God and she was standing on a log and it was like really foggy Mm. and she saw a priest coming and she was like, I need, like, I need my son to come back. Like I need him to return. He's lost. Mm -hmm. And, um, the priest was like, what do you mean? Like he's right there and she looks over and he's on the log with her, mm. like uh, by the side of, like by the side of her leg. And, he, um, he's like, wherever you are, he's with you. Oh. And so she really took that to heart, that vision. And she, she even explained it to Augustine at the time. Mm-hmm. And Augustine kind of like laughed it off and was like, no, he probably means like, he was just so puffed up about himself at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, that probably means you came to my side, you know? Oh. Like, but she was like, no, she was very like adamant. And she was like, no, it was clearly wherever you are, he's there. Mm-hmm. And so she, 
just that vision from God, Augustine explains in Confessions, like that was just kind of like this kiss from God to have her hold on to hope. Yeah. And Augustine's conversion actually didn't take place till nine years later. Mm-hmm. But that just that vision enough was enough for her to keep holding on. So he, he like a cre- like cre- basically like praises God for his mercy and giving her that vision, but also just a testament to her faith that that was enough for her to stay hopeful for how many years it took to end up seeing that vision come to life. Um, so I just thought that was just a beautiful testament of her faith and how she how she clung to God. And that's yeah. one of the things I really like about St. Monica is that she did, during her um, time of prayer and weeping, she went to God and she um prayed for his mercy for her son, Mm -hmm. but she also enlisted people to help her. Yeah. You know, she was not like so self-reliant that she's like, I'm going to take this conversion on for myself. It's my son and I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to bring him back, you know, either through her prayers or through her actions of, Mm -hmm. even if it was like a forceful way or um, out of authority, she didn't do that. She, she kind of walked a fine line between like, um, doing her due diligence and letting other people help. Yeah. And I think that. that's like, you know, as we talk about mom saints, I think that's one of the very like very pitfalls of motherhood is that we think we can do all the things mm-hmm. for our kid, you know, or that we're supposed to do all the things we're supposed like, I mean, I know I struggle with that, you know, like, okay, I can be their teacher and their spiritual guide and their nutritionist and their, you know, everything and be their mom and, feel like I need to do it all and and then I never do any any of it well mm-hmm. because it's like you're spread so thin yeah and to know that you're not supposed to be all those things that mm-hmm. um you know God gave you what he gave you for that child and the yeah. rest of it can be um allowed to be done through other people because what happened was she she was praying for Augustine for um for so many years and then mm-hmm. Augustine told her like he was going to go say goodbye to a friend. Augustine was living like this like crazy bachelor life. Yeah. Right. And he um, told her like he had an illegitimate child. He had like many affairs. um, Very, very living that um, worldly life. And he and so some of it she knew some of it she didn't. um, But she just continuously prayed. And one time he told her, I'm going to go off to see a friend who's leaving. I'm going to you know, go say goodbye to him. But he was actually sailing to Rome um, mm-hmm. from like North Africa. And so she ended up like she was heartbroken that that happened. He, so he was trying to kind of get away from her. Oh. Um, and then he, she ended up like following him to Rome. Yeah, I and, heard that. Yeah. And so she so, it, you know, sometimes you kind of think of it as like, oh, is this like what? you know, ancient helicopter parenting was, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, it was like, she followed him there. And, um, and he didn't appreciate any of that at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that now he knows that that was part of his conversion. And then he ended up going to Milan. And then she like followed him there too, and was just kind of persistent in how she pursued him. But at the same time in Milan, she met St. Ambrose, which yeah. is the bishop um, of Milan at the time. And he eventually became like her spiritual director. And it was St. Ambrose. She and she obviously she was telling St. Ambrose mm-hmm. about Augustine. But it was St. Ambrose who's who actually was the one that like converted. Yeah, through his preaching. Through his preaching, um, converted St. Augustine. And I just I think that idea is so beautiful that it wasn't Monica directly, but it was in her finding another person and. And through her prayers that God allowed that to happen. And so Mm -hmm. um, that St. Augustine would be moved so deeply by St. Ambrose and and that conversion would happen so quickly. Um, And then St. Augustine ended up becoming Bishop of Hippo and then becoming like one of the doctors of the church. And his book on confessions, he has many writings, but his book on called Confessions is just, I feel like a love letter to God in a way. It's super deep. Yes, it is. Um, But it just kind of goes through his like ponderings of God, but it's, I find that to be, I find that to be one of Monica's, like St. Monica's biggest strengths is that she was an advocate for her son and, but didn't try to be everything for him. Mm -hmm. And that is such a model for like modern day parenting. I think 
some of the things that like, quote unquote, look like helicopter parenting for her were because she had such an extreme case with her child of, yeah. of like what he was into. Um, and so maybe some of the measures she had to take were um, looked extreme in that sense. But it's interesting because um, St. Augustine gives a homily on one of my favorite Bible verses. It's um, one first letter of John um, chapter four, four, verse seven, but it says, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And St. Augustine does a homily on that. And there's like a snippet of it where he says, um, some actions truly seem rough, seem savage. However, they are done for discipline at the bidding of charity. Once for all, then a short precept is given you. Love and do what you will. If you hold your peace, through love hold your peace. If you cry out, through love cry out. If you correct, through love correct. If you spare, through love spare. Let the root of love be within. Nothing can spring from this root but what is good. Mm. And that, I felt like, was just kind of the epitome of how St. Monica loved because what St. Augustine is saying in my interpretation is like love doesn't just look like warm fuzzies all the time and um you know enabling people's behavior um sometimes love is hard making a hard choice because mm-hmm. you're willing the good of the other and so Mon- saint monica throwing augustine out of the house for his beliefs on manichaeism was like you know maybe that idea of love but in in that way that looks savage from the outside but um, is making those like hard choices for the good of the other. Yeah. And she eventually welcomed him back in after she had that vision of the log, mm-hmm. she was like, okay, you can come back into, into my home. But she, um, she made hard choices. She didn't always do, she didn't always prioritize him being quote unquote happy mm-hmm. or happy with her. Yeah, You know, yeah. she could sacrifice him being happy with not being happy with her being irritated being wanting her to get away like Mm -hmm. she sacrificed all of that approval of her son for the sake of his spiritual health and Augustine even writes like that the way she weeped like the way she wept was like more than a physical death of a child because she saw like oh because his spiritual yeah life yeah she saw his spirit like that he had a spiritual death and Mm -hmm. so she was mourning that and so um I thought that was cool too, that like it putting things in perspective in, in her mind that sometimes we as moms kind of like see some of the physical stuff, you know, illnesses or mm-hmm. just um, maybe different special needs and things like that and yeah. just hone in on that and make that like the center of our troubles. Um, but it's like Monica reprioritizes it. Yeah. So like okay, like all of that comes under what their Mm -hmm. spiritual life is like. What is their, how is their love of God? Yeah. And so I just feel like she reorders things. And for moms, I feel like that's such a key, like guidepost to kind of like reorient yourself with and like give you some new perspective of like, okay, like, yeah, this is, I know this is a tough season or this is something my child struggles with, but Mm -hmm. where is he spiritually? Yeah. And, And that kind of be your compass. I thought that was like a great, um, way that she inspires moms for sure yeah it's almost like everything else we worry about is like such like a temptation yeah or like a distraction from the devil from the real yeah importance. but really like at the end of the day like are we forming disciples right yeah that's like but you like know. are we living for like the kingdom yeah right like I mean like are we living for being reunited with God and and being in with the souls that we're entrusted with yeah, shout out Marcy Combo because she was talking to another mom when we were both pregnant uh-huh. once. And she, um, they were talking about the different types of passies that their babies liked. Uh-huh. Yes. And I was like, Important. I'm getting anxious because I knew that babies would take passies. But I didn't know there were all these different types. And she was like, that's a distraction from the devil. You will love your baby. Figure it out. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yes, to just identify it right then and there. Yeah, she was like, that's not what is important. Because then they started talking about, like, the different sippy cups and the mouth yes. shape. And I was like... <gasps> was this before you had Ben? This was while I was pregnant with Ben. Okay, And yes. Marcy, um, her baby, her youngest is two months older than Ben. Okay. So we were, yeah. I was very much like, oh, how am I going to... I know. How can... am I going to figure out the right sippy cup? 
<laughs> sometimes, especially in early motherhood, sometimes that stuff feels like the most important thing in the world. And you're just going to, I think because we're also like just teeter tottering on like lack of sleep and all of yeah. that, but it's like, that's the thing that's just going to break us, you know, like oh, if yeah, we don't like find it. that. And so, um, but it's definitely not, it's like, is he, are we setting example of like prayer for him? Yeah. You know, that's one thing we're working are on. Are we now. a model of love yeah, for him? Right. For sure. And so asking St. Monica for that grace of having that awareness, I think is a cool um, use of her intercession. Um, the other thing I wanted to like make a point about was Augustine's like one of his most famous lines is like, mm-hmm. um, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Yeah. Um, it's like in a lot of songs and just mm-hmm. everywhere. And there's so much truth to that. I think that's why people use it so much is that it just resonates so clearly with us um, that we look for all these other ways that we um, hope to find like completion and, and pleasure. But truthfully, it's not until we're like resting in the Lord that we, yeah. we feel that wholeness. And there's a quote about motherhood that like motherhood is like having part of your heart live outside of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so when he says, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, I think Monica's weeping for so many years mm-hmm. for her son was because part of her heart was living outside of her and it mm, was so disconnected yeah. from where her heart was with God mm-hmm. and that um, separateness and that disparity was just um, such a sorrowful place for her. Um, but it was not um, unused and because she used it to lift it up to the Lord. And the Lord did eventually answer her prayer. He heard those cries and it was not for waste that she, um, those tears fell. Right. And so I just think that's such an inspiration too for moms. I think she prayed for 17 years, I think, for Augustine, something like that. And Crazy. So, yeah. And so um, she, I feel like, like, her persistence, like, I feel like she's the one that really coins the phrase, like, nevertheless, she persisted. Like, oh, yeah, you know, that's like, actually, like, sorry, Elizabeth Ward, like, so she was the original one of that, but um, her persistence and her surrender to God, you know, she could have been very angry, but she kind of stayed in that sorrow and just shared it with him. I think that's a beautiful take on prayer, too, mm-hmm. like, um, allowing the Lord into that space and just sharing that with him for however long. Um, that situation yeah. is present. Um, and then do we know, did Augustine convert? He did. He converted in her lifetime. He converted right? in so her lifetime. Yes. And so um, going kind of to her later life. So she followed him to Milan. He ended up converting. And she, at that point, she felt like there was like nothing left to live for. Like a, not in like a depressed way, but she was just like I've, so fulfilled. I've run the race. Yes. Kind of. She's like... Um, I think she says, like, one of her, like, dying words was, like, son, nothing in this world now affords me delight. I do not know what there is now left for me to do or why I'm still here. All my hopes in this world being now fulfilled. Wow. So just what a mother's love, you mm-hmm. know, like, that's what she lived for. And that's, and she saw that as her responsibility yeah. of, like, her duties was to bring him to that place. And so... She died soon after that. She died in 387 um, in a nearby Roman city, um, but they ended up um, bringing her back to Ostia. And um, yeah, and uh, her epitaph, let me see what it says. She has a really pretty, I think they like um, found what was written on her epitaph and it, it says, here the most virtuous mother of a young man set her ashes, a second light to your merits, Augustine. As a priest serving the heavenly laws of peace, you taught the people entrusted to you with your character. A glory greater than the praise of your accomplishments crowns you both. Mother of the virtues, more fortunate because of her offspring. Oh, wow. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. I mean, like, I just feel like, you know, she was not, like, she led by example. Mm -hmm. It was her faith. It was her prayer and her character that really draws people to the conversion and so yeah. instead of like a forceful or kind of a preaching to them in that sense. Um, so I just love her story. I think it's a, a story uh, that's can be very inspiring for people, especially for moms whose children have maybe fallen away from the faith yeah. um, and then could ask for her intercession. Um, she does have a fun fact that the city of Santa Monica in California is named after St. Monica. Yeah. Um, and that there's like a legend that like, 
there's these springs. They're called like the Weeping Springs or something. And they, the missionaries that came there said, "Oh, that looks like Saint Monica's tears that she was oh. crying for her, for her son." And those those wells were the ones that like fed into um, Santa Monica. So oh, like, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and so I just, um, you know, for any moms that um, are maybe losing hope in some way, um, just having that saint mom friend upstairs (laughs) that um, knows what you're going through. I think she's a great saint to ask for intercession and not not just for the conversion of the child, but for hope for the mom too. And so, yeah, yeah. thank you. She's one that I like knew, know her story, but I've never dived into it like that. So like know the highlights of it. Yeah. The highlight reel for sure. But I've never like spent time getting to know her. Yeah. Powerful prayer warrior. Yeah. I mean, she's one we intercede for my, or we ask for intercession a lot with my crazy family (laughs) dynamic. Um, Yeah. Like you asked for it for as a mom or. Uh, I think she, I know for sure is a big friend of my mom because some of my siblings are no longer practicing. Okay. I think that's how I know her story for sure. Just seeing your mom's example. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I know my mom ask for her help a she lot. Has a we need it in my yeah. family. So she's one of our friends for sure. Okay. I love yeah. that. So I'm going to ask for her intercession for your family too. Please. Lord, we need it. <laughs> All the help we can get. Everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Can I add one couple of things real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I always like to know what people's names mean. And so Monica means wise counselor, which I thought, did not know that. Yeah. Which um, I think is great for moms who because we do need wise counsel. Um, and the prayer, if we're, if you ever um, are needing her intercession, I just wanted to say the prayer to St. Monica, yeah. um, because I think it just um, speaks to the heart of mothers. It says, Exemplary mother of the great Augustine, you perseveringly pursued your wayward son, not with wild threats, but with prayerful cries to heaven. Intercede for all mothers in our day, so that they may learn to draw their children to God. Teach them how to remain close to their children, even the prodigal sons and daughters who have sadly gone astray. Amen. Mm, amen. Yeah. Amen. My saint is one that I can't, ex- well, I mean, I can't explain it and I will, but she like found me. Oh, I called I out to stories. me and it was very clear. Like I need her in my life. Um, it's St. Gianna. St. Oh, Mola. beautiful. Yeah. Without like. I mean, I, again, know her story. Know she's like, you like you know, like a pro-life stuff. Okay, I don't really know much about her. She has so a beautiful ex- story. She's I'm a excited. pro-life saint. So that's kind okay. of like, you know, just yeah. in that world, you kind of hear about her. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I was pregnant, it was like, I need to start asking for her intercession. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how I found out more about her. And I found out even more about her, like, in preparing for this. But yeah. it's so crazy. Just like... Tell me how she came to you, because... We say this often that like mm-hmm. we look for saints, but also saints look for us. Like they will show their face to us in one way or the other. And you're like, okay, I think something's happening. Here. Yeah, it was literally just that, that, um, I'd heard about her before and knew her basic story. Yeah. And then, um, we had some kind of high risk issues and some str- like struggles, with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And in that it was just like, like popped into my head. Mm-hmm. I need to start asking for St. Gianna's help. Oh, and beautiful. I did. Do you and feel like that was like the Holy Spirit? I really just... do. Because it wasn't like, like, a, you know, there's, because there's my saints who I love. Yeah. You know, my top 10. Oh, I, I, know. I know. And she definitely wasn't on it. And right. I don't even know if she's like on it now, but it's definitely like. Like wasn't on the radar. Wasn't on the radar. Just one day I was like, she's who I need right now. Yeah. And I just started like asking oh, for intercession. I love that. Um, I think, and I can get into a little bit more about her story and why even like in school we would talk about her case and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. But I'll get into it. So. Uh, Gianna was born um, in October in 1922 uh, in Italy. She is one of 13 children. Mm, wow. Yeah, and she comes from just this really big, faithful um, Catholic family. Her um, parents were like lay, or part of the lay Franciscan order. Yeah. And um, one of her siblings is actually a servant of God, which is like oh, on cool. the road to canonization. Yeah. Um, Enrico Beretta, which I didn't research cool him name. on purpose, uh-huh. just in case we ever want to visit that. Yeah. Um, and they just have like lots of religious people on both sides of their family, like priests and nuns. So yeah. just a very devout family. Um, they moved around a lot when she was little, but she was very, from a young age, just like, 
they called it other-centered is what a yeah. lot of people called her, just that she yeah. was um, a member of St. Vincent de Paul and the Catholic Action Group where she was fun, and she loved to serve people. Uh, one thing I think is cool about her too, uh, just in like her femininity is that she, uh, loved fashion and painting and loved the opera and the art. So oh. she, um, just had this beautiful spirit, you know, and she also loved being outside and skiing and mountain climbing. Uh, she loved, uh, kind of in one of the reflections I write about her was that she loved all of creation and, but she saw like human people as like the crown of creation. Yes. I love that. Right. So she is a doctor. That oh, is, she is? Yeah, she is a doctor. So that was kind of what pursued her, like her passion for medicine was okay. to help people. Um, so she studied medicine and graduated in 1949 with degrees in medicine and surgery. And then later she went back to the University of Milan um, to study pediatrics. So oh, then cool. she um, ended up opening a medical clinic and her uh, like clinic was for mothers, babies and the elderly. Oh, which I, I feel that. like are the most, most needy, in yeah. need demographic, yeah. those three people. That's cool. uh, she prayed about and felt called to be a missionary and like go to um, where I believe Latin America, mm-hmm. um, where her one of her siblings was serving as a missionary. And so her plan was to go down there and offer um, care for pregnant and poor mothers. Yeah. But uh, she had some health issues. So she ended up not doing that. So she ended up just staying and working as a doctor in Italy. Uh, one quote I found that was I liked is that people who worked with her, like in her clinic, said that uh, every expectant mother she met was like her sister, and she cared for them like family. And she treated them like a sister. Yeah, oh. which I loved that. Yeah. Another thing that I knew about her before she became my friend was that she and her husband's love letters are like published, and you can read them. They're oh, a book. That's precious. Yeah. So part of her story is also her love. Um, her love story with her husband, um, Pietro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they met in December of 1954. He was an engineer, so I just like how like educated they both are. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they had a beautiful romance, and they were married um, in 1955, so just a, kind of a few months later. Uh, and uh, they, like I said, their love letters are just so beautiful when you read them. They kind of they're talking back and forth about why they're excited to marry each other. So there's a lot about just like the sacrament of marriage in them. So a lot of people were kind of recommending them for, to me when I was engaged and um, just to like, look at their love blossoming. Yeah. Just to like see it and to see just like this model of holy kind of expectation for the sacrament. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of her snippets I want to read, she um, wrote, love is the most beautiful sentiment that the Lord has put into the soul of men and women. And then um, before they were married in September, she wrote, "Um, my dear Pietro, our wedding is just a few days away now, and I feel very moved to be so near receiving the sacrament of love. We will be working with God and his creation, and this way we can give him children who would love and serve him. Um, That's a beautiful reflection on marriage. That's a sacrament sacrament of love and that to work with God and the care of creation. Yes. Um, There's very deep. So I, you know, and I never got around to reading them. Yeah. her letters and I'm, I'm mad that I didn't um but I know there were other girls who were engaged around the same time that I was and they would talk about it and I'd be like oh I'm gonna read those <laughs> maybe I never did maybe you're supposed to read them at a later part of your marriage oh yeah I definitely know? need to read them because yeah. that they just you can are, ask for her intercession to just spark the interest when it's yeah, supposed to happen yeah for sure at some point I will because they're just chock full of just beautiful um reflections on just the vocation as yeah. a wife and mom right um and I think I believe there's also letters from later parts of her life too, where as like a, as a mother, as a wife, where she's kind of continues to reflect. So definitely a friend for all seasons for a married mom, for sure. Um, I think also if I can just interject real quick, um, just after being married for a while, um, I know just at the, you know, like Royce and I have been married for 17 years. I would love to read letters from that time in her life where she was just like, all the butterflies and just yeah. looking forward to it because it reminiscing on that of like why you were so drawn to your spouse and just I don't know it just like um it just it, it's just a beautiful place to like go back to and revisit <laughs> sure. right yeah actually it's so funny my iPhone just gave us one of those videos it makes of your pictures oh yes yeah and your was, memories yeah our memories of me and Luis like our dating up until engagement yeah. 
And it was super sweet, but I was like, that was a different time in my life. <laughs> I mean, the pictures were great, but we were both like, oh, I know. But doesn't it like kind of like spark like, yeah, this, like alive in that part of your heart that was there at that moment? Yes. Um, so that. funny you're saying that. So this, that is like the 20, like what the millennial way of her letters. She had her letters, but we have our we have Google photos. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so she, so, okay, let me see where, Okay. Uh, they did eventually, uh, they also had some struggle with miscarriage and fertility, which I think is why I knew she would understand like our struggles. Yeah. Um, but they eventually went on to have three children. Mm. Um, and her fourth child is kind of where she becomes, is where the story kind of is become saintly, I guess. Well, always, but you know what I mean? So, um, their fourth child. Yes. Let me see. So. Her fourth pregnancy, her final pregnancy, mm-hmm. uh, this would have been around 1961. So again, she's so modern. She's which so is modern, cool. yeah. yeah. Um, she had a fibroma in her uterus that they found at the time of her pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so her doctors gave her some options. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that she could um, have an abortion in order to treat the fibroma, mm-hmm. that they could just remove her whole uterus, um, or that they could leave the fibroma alone uh, and basically she wouldn't receive treatment for the fibroma. Um, now those are a lot of scary options, really scary. So I think one thing I want to kind of interject or like editorialize a little bit is that, um, we obviously would not support a full, just straight abortion, but Mm. the church does support or interpret the principle of double effect to allow the hysterectomy. Um, and now I'm not great at philosophy, even though it was my minor. <laughs> I don't like philosophy, but principle of double effect. We can talk basically, about that later. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> it basically means that um, it ga- basically focuses on the intent within okay. an action. Right. So, for instance, if she had something cancerous in her uterus, in right. this case, and her the, her intent and the doctor's intent was to remove the cancer. Mm-hmm. And the double Not effect the with yeah. by that was that the life would be removed, but their intent was to save the mother's life. Right. Then the church does not deem that immoral. Okay. Um, so in this case, um, or I guess philosophically, moral theology wise, I don't know if it's like if the church even has a set teaching on principle mm-hmm. double effect, but I do know. We're definitely we're in the gray area here. Yeah. Moral theology wise, for sure. We studied that in class that mm-hmm. that was allowable permissible mm-hmm. um that if she were to receive treatment for like cancer mm-hmm. and it saved her life and that was their intent but the baby died the effect that was it. the double effect that was not intended you. right, right. Uh, so. so in this instance she did have options in which she could prioritize her life mm-hmm. and that we would not see that as immoral right. Uh, but she told her doctors that her child's life was more important than hers. So mm. going back um, to that other centered. Yeah, for sure. Please. So she didn't receive any, um, any care for that fibroma. Um, so they were going to try to treat it as well as they could after, um, after her baby was delivered via C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, they named her Gianna Emanuela. Mm, uh, yes. And now she, so St. Gianna uh, stayed in the hospital for about a week while they tried to treat her. Uh, but she had a severe pain and died of septic peritonitis, oh. which I don't know what that is. I didn't look it up because honestly, I was kind of scared. I didn't <laughs> want to know too much about it. Yeah. Uh, but she did die in the hospital after a week of giving uh, after giving birth to her daughter, Gianna. Yeah. Um, That's so sad. It is sad. So she made it through the pregnancy. She made it through and was able to deliver, but um, died shortly afterwards and because so, she didn't receive treatment for herself. She prioritized her baby's life. Um, I, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about um, what a difficult decision that mm-hmm. would make. And, it, and that's the mm-hmm. saintly piece that comes in for her is what you're saying is like that she prioritized another life over hers. Yes. And I do want to point out, because maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but I love reading the lives of the saints, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not a secret. <laughs> so in college, I would become like obsessed and a little bit like scared. Although I didn't know I had anxiety then. So that's probably what it was. <laughs> but I'd be like, oh my gosh, like this saint, uh, you know, was burned at the stake because right. she was a missionary in this pagan country. And yeah. what if God calls me 
to be a missionary in a pagan country and I say, no, I don't want to be burned at the stake, then right. I'm not ever going to be able to be holy and a saint and I'm a terrible person because I don't want to be burned at <laughs> the stake. Just went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, of an anxiety spiral. So I do want to say that that's why I kind of brought up that principle of double effect. She definitely had the option to not choose that. Yeah. And I think there are probably a lot of instances where God is not calling everyone to make that decision. Right. So in this instance, um, she felt like that was the right thing to do for herself. And I think it was a brave and holy thing. Right. But I don't think that's what everyone is called to in their life. I think like God presents us all with our own like chance for sainthood. Right. So I don't think like. And, and the design of our heart. Yeah. And the design of our heart. For sure. Yes. That's a great saint. way of saying that. So I do want to say that because I think in a different time in my life, I would have read this story and been like, oh my God, if I, if I don't die in childbirth and I'll never be a saint, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to sell all my clothes and you know, like St. Francis, I'm, I can't yeah. go through the woods and just Ex- naked, but no. <laughs> yeah, we're not called to that. I just know that about myself, but I right. mean, I say that now and now I feel like whatever. now you feel bad, right? Cause you're like, well, if Jesus asked me, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, true. I <laughs> right. mean, if the, so there's a rabbit hole to go down there for sure. Um, but I do want to say that that is what she ended up choosing and it was a powerful yes um in this instance for sure very sacrificial very sacrificial um so I think just like that example was kind of immediately um I guess revered by those who knew her her husband um just 10 years later would write kind of her biography of her life and it Mm -hmm. was dedicated to her four children um I do want to point out that her daughter Gianna Emanuela is still alive because she was only born in the oh 60s my goodness, and that's she so cool. yeah she travels around and will bring like relics and kind of speak wow. about her mother's work as a doctor and uh, she's a doctor too she's an, a doctor of geriatrics oh very cool yes. that's so, interesting that she took on like St. Gianna was pediatrics right pe- pediatrics and some geriatrics some geriatrics yeah. and she took the other end of the scale that's yeah, cool yeah and just uh, with St. Gianna being a doctor and then making that um choice from a, a faith-filled perspective. Yes. Um, I just, I keep imagining like her like medical community, like the pressure they might've put on her mm-hmm. of like to make the, you know, the more science-backed choice. And so the courage it takes to do that as a doctor in the field, you know. For sure. And that she had like um, all the knowledge to make that decision yeah, too. She knew, she really she knew what she was getting it. into. For sure. Yeah. Um, and now her daughter, do- yeah, like I said, her daughter, um, she does a lot of speaking and traveling and kind of at different, like, I know there's like different clinics and hospitals that are kind of made for um, pregnant mothers yeah. and she'll like go and speak at them. So I think that that's really cool. Um, like a legacy that. to yeah. leave behind. Uh, I do want to talk about the miracles that, you know, they kind of started her beatification process and then you need miracles for that yeah. to happen right. or to be canonized a saint. Um, Cause I think they, I think it's just so cool that she had this mission and call on earth and she continues it from heaven. Yeah. So the first kind of unexplained miracle that contributed to her being canonized a saint, uh, happened in the seventies. Uh, there was a Protestant woman who, uh, um, unfortunately gave birth to a stillborn child. Mm. Um, and she had some complications. She was discharged from the hospital, but then came back. She was in severe pain uh, and she had some kind of, oh, an unseen complication. Uh, I don't know how to say what it was, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Uh, but some, there was. We're not medical people. Yeah, I'm not. It was some kind of medical thing that was mm-hmm. unseen, something they didn't catch in the hospital and actually were not equipped to treat it mm-hmm. in the hospital where she was at. Yeah. Uh, and so she was in a lot of pain. They weren't able to do anything about it. So she was going to be transferred to another hospital. But the doctors didn't actually even think she would survive the trip to the bigger hospital who could treat this woman. Mm -hmm. So one of the nurses was actually um, a religious sister, Sister Bernadina. And she had a little picture of St. Gianna with her. And she took it out and started just asking her to intercede on behalf of this mother. Mm -hmm. And then um, she actually asked the mother, sister nurses to pray with her. Mm -hmm. And so they started doing that. And then this woman, uh, Lucia Cirello, her pain, like, immediately disappeared and the doctors could not explain why and her I think it's a fistula I don't Mm -hmm. even know but Mm -hmm. whatever it was causing her pain was completely healed kind of just like wow yeah in that moment and then um similarly same thing and uh Brazil there was a pregnant woman named Elizabeth 
Camperini. Mm-hmm. And she was 16 week, weeks pregnant and had a tear in her placenta and it had drained of all her amniotic oh fluid. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, and so her doctors were saying that the chance of survival was low to impossible. Yeah, and at 16 weeks. 16 weeks, yeah. super early anyway. Yeah. Um, so then she asked for St. Gianna, who was a blessed at this time, mm-hmm. to intercede and she was able to carry and deliver this baby with no amniotic fluid what so clearly a miracle that straight up a miracle um very different yes so she was canonized and this is what i had on my phone let me pull it up so when she was canonized by jp2 uh uh, her four children and husband were there at saint peter's like in the crowd um when she was canonized and then uh i wanted to read what he said about her Mm. uh at her canonization let me see and let me fix this so i can actually read it right (laughs) and that oh that's actually the first time year she was canonized Uh, let me see i do not yeah not it was after it was after the 2000s. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I was just curious around the time frame. I yeah. want to say 2002. Like early 2000s. Or 2012. But I could be wrong. Somewhere I should know after that. the year 2000. Somewhere after. Yeah. Because that's when the last can, that last miracle occurred was in the 2000s. That's 2000. beautiful. Um, like so that's this, what she needed was that second miracle. Yeah. 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 So this is what JP2 said about her like at the canonization that her family was, you know, at. Uh, he said... Gianna Beretta Mola was a simple but more than ever significant messenger of divine love. In a letter to her future husband a few days before their marriage, she wrote, Love is the most beautiful sentiment the Lord has put on the soul of men and women. Following the example of Christ, who having loved his own, loved them to the end, this holy mother of a family remained heroically faithful to the commitment she made on the day of her marriage. The extreme sacrifice she sealed with her life testifies that only those who have the courage to give of themselves totally to God and to others are able to fulfill themselves. Through the example of Gianna Bredamola, may our age rediscover the pure chase and fruitful beauty of conjugal love lived as a response to the divine call. And then he said, um, do not let your hearts be troubled. The earthly events of these new saints spur us to persevere on our journey, confiding in the help of God and the maternal protection of Mary. From heaven, may they now watch over us and support us with their powerful intercession. Oh, what a tribute. Yeah, from JP2. That no is less. very cool. I, you know, that's, I mean, kind of what I'm hearing between St. Monica and St. Gianna is like this, the same thing from the Bible verse of First John is like, God is love. And mm-hmm. the love of a mother is like, sometimes it can exemplify like God's love of just like at this particular love of just, um, I don't know, just a taste of what that divine love is like um, yes. in the maternal sense and the sacrifice that it takes um, and some of the sorrow and um, but also the joys of being able to love on a child. Um, oh, for sure. I always way. say I never understood the Eucharist or I thought I understood the Eucharist until two things. Mm-hmm. One was when I went on a mission trip to Peru and saw like the body of Christ, like in the people that I was serving. Oh, cool. So that just like that experience, which I don't even, I could really articulate made me like, just like have such a different experience of the Eucharist. Yeah. But then the second one I think was when, um, my baby was born and we had a lot of feeding challenges and it was super, super hard. And I was super struggling with postpartum depression. Um, and he just like the whole nursing thing. And I think the Lord sent the verse, uh, this is my body given up for you. Oh, I and just like that. one of my just completely just clinging onto that verse oh, as a mother. For sure. because and my brain was fried and yes. I was just um, on edge. And because he, like motherhood takes all of you. I yes. mean, like I remember not, ha- I felt feeling like I did not have my body for like two years because oh, the, yeah. from the pregnancy to nursing, it was like, I I'm tied to another living being with all of my choices everything affects that and I think that's kind of a microcosm of like the spiritual world as well Oh, for sure and just that like understanding of what that actually means like in all like the pain and all the things that go on right postpartum just like in the feeding and all like literally like sustaining someone with my body I was like just like you got just a tiny taste just like that taste of what that means And that's such a gift of femininity that we get to have a privilege, honestly. Yes, it really is like just an honor that we get to have that, like a piece of that role. 
yeah, uh, creation. That we get to like experience that in a way that no one else gets I to. Know. I'm going to start crying. So I just can't even talk about it. <laughs> I know. So that I would feel like for sure motherhood. I'm going to go mean, home and hug my kids after I this. Know. But that's like, I always, um, I started saying this when I got married, but even now I'm like, now I see why marriage is a vocation because yes. your vocation is what gets, is supposed Dude, to marriage be Marriage is a path to sainthood just on yeah. its own. Like, it's what gets it. you to heaven. <laughs> yes. but now I see. Now but I motherhood see. is like, takes it to a whole new level. Oh, and, for sure. Um, I just, you know, and just talking about motherhood. Um, yes, there's biological motherhood, but I feel in a sense as women, we're all called to spiritual motherhood Oh yeah, and definitely. we're all given that gift of, um, nurturing in that spiritual sense. And so, um, even if you're not in that phase of life or, or, um, or those circumstances to have children, um, knowing that that motherhood, that spiritual motherhood can be fleshed out and cultivated, um, is a gift to the world and is very much needed. Yeah. I mean, just even in like our youth ministry, like all those kids, yes. like I just have to stop myself from wanting to mother them because I I'm mean, like, I, I, I don't do know if mother I need them. to I'm be like... their mom or like, like my, my husband's small group. Yeah. I've caught myself being like, they're like my, you know, my kids small group. I'm like, Oh wait, they're not my children. They're... But kind of, I know they kind of are because they're his. Yeah. So they're like mine too. Right. Like my other by group. marriage. Yeah. By marriage. They're my kids. Um, you know, we always, you know, we'll say like my kids and stuff. Right. So for sure there's, uh, definitely something stamped in us, I would say, yes. for the nurturing and the mothering. That and, is and to spiritually guide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Especially, I love seeing my friends who have daughters um, who baby wear a baby. Oh, my There's, goodness. Have you the seen daughters that? baby wear like a doll? Yeah, like, like a little doll? toddlers baby oh wearing a, like a doll because yes. their moms do. I have like, not that experienced such... that as a boy mom. No. <laughs> but. I do see some of the little girls. Yeah, in church they walk in and their they're mom's so maternal baby at such a, a young yes, age. That's like, what that's, I mean. They're baby wearing. I know. And they're a baby. That's it's so, so innate. It's so I innate know. and feminine. So innate. Beautiful. Um we could probably go on and on. I know. <laughs> I love uh, this topic. I and uh, like all other topics, we can keep revisiting mom saints. For sure. Because I did a mom who was a saint, but you did saint and mom. Yeah, I did the double I mean, one as yeah. my overachiever problems. No, we could. Well, there's so many. I think actually I heard a seminarian say uh-huh. that there are more of the women who are canonized. Like there's a bigger percent that are mothers. Wait, what? Okay, because yeah. I always just looking at saints, I'm always like, man, you know, I'm not a nun. And no, I'm not there's like a bigger percent who are mothers than who are religious. That gives me so much hope. Because mm-hmm. it's like such a <laughs> purifying experience sanctifying yes sanctifying for sure um yeah do you want to say your blessing and burden yeah um okay I don't even know if I have a burden this week I feel like I couldn't think of a real burden either I mean this is a good thing right okay but can I do two blessings of course always sweet okay um my first blessing is we're actually on the day we're recording today is the feast of our lady of lords yeah um and so talking about moms you know um the ultimate spiritual mom of the blessed mother um i have a special devotion um to our lady of lords because it it is the devotion for like healing because of the blessed water that um was revealed to saint bernadette and so just you know the healing love of a mother and just um how that plays in life. And three years ago, I got to go with my dad on a pilgrimage to Lourdes. And oh, so, really? like, yes. And That's so it was so, cool. so beautiful. And I got to talk to my dad today because we just hold a very special memory of that mm-hmm. together and uh, kind of reminiscing about that. So, just Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. That's um, definitely a blessing for me. And she has been for a very long time. And my second blessing is the Living Heart Company or the Living Heart Co. I haven't heard they, of them. She's an artist. <gasps> And they make representation. It's so beautiful. Wait, you did tell me. Okay, so I know nobody can see what's going on here, but I'm showing Andrea a picture or a print that I bought off the Living Heart Co. And it's a print of St. Augustine, but I feel like it's um, a very detailed representation Uh of his, like... um, ethnicity like that's true to yeah like what he could have actually what he could have actually looked like so um saint augustine is um one of like the greatest saints of our church of just Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times he's portrayed like i have the book confessions and like his 
picture in the confessions, he looks like Charlton Heston. In I it. was going to say, he looks like from like a black and white movie. Yes. Like he has a very Western look to him. Oh, for sure. Um, and so I think that's actually a very common thing for yeah. St. Augustine. Or he'll be like old with a, a beard because just show that he's like wise. Or <laughs> yes. Something. Like kind of like Santa Claus. Yeah. Him. Yes. With like a okay. bishop's hat. Right. But he's totally, I mean, he was from Northern Africa. Yeah. And so um, that's what I like about the Living Heart Co. is that they take like their... Um, where they're from and make that as part of their features to identify yeah. them um, ethnically. And I just think that it's such a beautiful portrayal of him and it feels like real. Like, and so um, I just, that's my blessing to see, yeah. to see saints portrayed in the way that they really were made. Are they on Instagram? Yes, she is. Yeah. We'll she have is. And to, she has an Etsy shop. Ooh, nice. Um, we'll have to um, plug them to on our Instagram. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. She deserves it. Yeah. Um, my blessings. Uh, I have to say, I mean, always like our blessing, like our family is for sure a blessing, but Ben, um, it's just been, he's like really close to walking, I think. Oh my goodness. So just seeing him like be on the move more is so fun, but then he's like, finally, I think he's very independent. So we, he never wants to like do what we, you know, as far as like wave bye-bye or like, he doesn't really do those things, but he's starting to, like, he's starting to give kisses sometimes, sometimes he doesn't like on his own accord. Yeah. Oh, that's like, he'll give a little kiss or, um, he's starting to just like when he does something like, for instance, we're working on going down the stairs safely. Yeah. Um, cause literally before he would just lay on his belly and just go head down, start sliding down. So we're working on going down like backwards, <laughs> like we call it booty first, you know, like that's what, I mean, what we're telling him, yes. like teaching him. And, um, you know, like, so like if I like, if he does booty first on the stairs then I'll clap and he notices, like so a, then he'll like a TikTok dance or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's just what we started. I don't know. We became like, go. To, we were trying to get him to slide down, like on his butt. Not head first, basically. Not head first. Yeah. So like booty and feet is yes. what we were working on. But yeah. he'll like, just like, you know, if we do it, he'll like we'll clap and then he'll want to do it again and again because oh, we're cla- clapping and just like he's like I guess becoming that more interactive yeah, stage just where delighting in your approval yes. basically yeah, yeah. Or he, he's like that. playing chase with Luis where he'll like <laughs> crawl away really fast and like yeah. look back to see if he's chasing him yet yeah, just a like fun time so fun yeah he's oh. I mean he's always fun but now he's like kind of reacting fun. to yes. us in new yeah. ways that's beautiful so I think that it's just been like a really fun week with him like yeah. I feel like every day he's doing something new so that's the crazy thing is it's like, can't what even is keep he, up with all yeah. the changes. What is he going to learn today? Year. I know. Yes. Everything I think happened that's, so fast in that first it year. It really has. Cause I mean, I was starting to get worried. Cause like we have, you know, like my friend's baby is the same age as him and he's mm-hmm. clapping already. And Ben's not clapping, but just one day he was like, I'll start interacting with you guys now. <laughs> I've chosen to yeah. clap now. Yeah. I love um, him. so it was just like a really fun week. just playing with him. Beautiful. He's, he's just a blast. Um, he is. I can attest to that. He's yeah. adorable. And I don't know. Okay, another blessing. I don't might edit this out, but honestly, <laughs> I'm excited for the Super Bowl because you, wait, it, because it, I get a little bit of a break from the teens. <laughs> but not the I teens. I thought you were going to say the halftime show because I'm super excited about the halftime show. I'm not for this one. Well, you're not. Oh, I, well, maybe well, you're too young for it. Well, I love like the spectacle of it so I love when there's like a dancer or just oh like, right well so I like when the, Beyonce and Bruno Mars do it because it's right. like all the dancing yes yeah. but yeah. these guys are not dancers they're rappers yeah right. they're, I don't so I don't think it's gonna be a lot of dancing no there won't be dancing yeah or like I like when Lady Gaga did it because she like flew in and was dancing <laughs> yeah just all the crazy stuff yeah so I really like when they do just go all out all out crazy dancing Antics, and yeah. all this just big, big fireworks. And I feel like these guys are just like going to be like chill. Understated. <laughs> but that, I mean, I think just, that's the vibe now though. No, I think it is. So yeah. I don't think it's a halftime show for me, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's not for everyone. It's not, but I like the commercials and you, and you get a day off, a night off. Yes. A night off. And I love our teens and our core team. I do too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could use a break sometimes. Everybody needs a day Everyone off. Everyone can do, use a day off, and I'm yeah. probably going to hang out with teens still, <laughs> just not, you know, not 150 as... of them all yeah. at one time. So um, now I should cut that out. I'm going to cut this whole part out. <laughs> but I, yeah, a day off, a Sunday off will be fun because yeah, nice. I don't normally no get No work them. on Sunday. Yeah, but I do, though. So, right. so having I, one. Yeah. It'll be cool. See how the other side lives. Yeah. Kind of. So. Love it. Those are my blessings. And 
what oh. a cool thing that we don't like both of us don't have burdens this week and we had multiple blessings yeah i mean i know i had burdens. mom saints i think this is attributed to the mom saints the praying for us because we yeah moms. i mean i had burdens but none that i felt like were like the burden of the week yeah you know? like not so heavy yeah i do want to say that we can kind of check where people are listening Oh, yeah. And shout out to the people in Lebanon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, tell them. I, we're Apparently, like, we're, we were ranked 47 on the religion and spirituality chart. So I that mean, was cool. Um, I'm, I'm a little excited. I know yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm maybe getting we overly have people excited to visit about in Lebanon. Uh, maybe now. there's only 48 podcasts on religion. <laughs> <laughs> but also, that I forgot to tell you, but that was also why I did figs for our fans in Lebanon. Yay, because thanks. figs are popular there, thanks, too. everyone in Lebanon. A shout out. To all our Lebanese listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I kind of wanted to say like on that, it helps for more people to find your podcast. Yeah. If you who are listening, like rate it. Oh, yes. Rate five it stars, and of subscribe, course. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Subscribe. Five star rating, obviously. <laughs> we'll take a four, a three, as long as the feedback comes, if, whether that's like constructive. <laughs> if it's less than that, otherwise, just other, don't. You're saying don't. otherwise, just don't. Just yeah, skip just that don't. part. Give yeah, don't give her. Don't make us cry. (laughs) Yeah, but that um, is how like people, other people can find the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell your if you like it, tell your friends. Yeah. If you don't, just don't say anything. (laughs) Yeah, don't. We don't normally like do the plug part, but I thought we could plug ourselves this time. I mean, I think we have to at some point. Yeah, wanted to end with that. Cool. So thanks everybody. We're praying for everyone, and have a great feast day of Our Lady of Lords. Bye. Bye.